Okay, so this is going to be my review for Halloween Ends. Um, this video, this recording, I'm actually going to do a little different. I actually have it right in front of me, and I'm going to skip through the movie as I am commenting on it. Um, I didn't write down any notes or anything, and I did think about watching the entire movie and making a commentary about it. Um, I actually want to do that with 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 a lot of movies nowadays. But anyway, it's going to be my video review for Halloween Ends, which I love the movie a lot. I really did enjoy this movie. I know a lot of people didn't. A lot of people did not like Halloween Ends. Um, I did. I really did enjoy it. Um, I don't remember how many times I went to the movies to see it. I think twice. But I really enjoyed it a lot. And... The first time it was kind of like, I didn't know. I didn't know what's really, I had an expectation, I guess, as most people did. But the thing about movies is if you actually watch the prologue of the first five minutes, then this is, this is the thing about almost every movie. If you know how to decipher movies and you watch the first five minutes, that first five minutes actually tells you the exact tone and message of the entire movie all the way up to the end. So the first five minutes of a movie is supposed to automatically set up what the entire story is supposed to be. I'm uh, not sure if that's with books too. I don't want to think about it, but I don't know. But so if you actually pay attention to that. So watching the prologue to or the beginning of Halloween ends, it was very easy to see that a lot of expectations are going to happen in the mind as you're watching the movie but not only that michael is it's michael's not really there not a lot's going to be going on uh it's a new guy it's a new feeling a new atmosphere just a new feeling altogether and the first five minutes did set that up in this movie so that kind of eased it a little bit for me i was like wait a minute the entire prologue happened, and then the thing happened with, with the kid and everything, and then it was like, okay, they're going in a different direction with this movie, and there's actually something behind it, and that's what I was able to pick up right away. Okay, so shuffling through the movie a little bit, I could probably also uh, cut out the audio as I'm searching too. So toward the very beginning, you had the, the parents and the kid, and the mom was telling Corey, uh, yeah, Corey, that, hey, you know, he sometimes is scared and he hears voices and everything like that. Later on in the movie, in the bar, um, okay, well, it's just to keep it simple. Um, yeah, okay, so later on in the, in the movie, in the bar, when Laurie Strode was talking to the kid's dad, oh, he was playing pool, he mentioned that that night the person that killed his son wasn't Corey, but the person that he saw in his eyes so the whole voices so the whole idea of michael myers is that there is a thing called the shape and the shape is actually an entity that is actually kind of in michael 
Myers, but it's also in everyone else. In the movie Halloween Kills, it was strongly represented through the townspeople, through their anger, through their mob mentality, through how they treated people. And and one guy needed help. One guy who escaped the, the mental hospital, he needed help because he hurt himself from a car accident. And while he was there trying to get help, everyone was like, oh, that's Michael, get him. And he got he just wanted some help, and it ended up driving him to suicide. And that's what happens in real life. Um, I, I could tell a story right now about it really happening, but of course I'm not going to. But that's just how it works. There is... Um, that's 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 what the 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 entity how it influenced the people in the town in Halloween kills. Now in Halloween ends, almost all the people in the town were still infected in some kind of way, and you could kind of see that in the, in how all the people behaved and treated each other. You know, they all came and banded together when it came to trying to find Michael and hurt Michael and beat this guy, but when it came to being kind to each other and what they've been through everyone was all like ah well you're you're stupid and they were very cruel toward them and the fact that people can come together to hurt others and never come together to understand people or try to make them feel better that was another that was a strong message that i got from halloween ends and that shows a lot about what the shape of the entity actually was influencing everyone and everything in the movie. Um, I can't go too much into the spiritual warfare side of this movie, even though it is very heavy in this movie. Uh, the whole idea about spiritual warfare is it is a very, very complicated thing. And... People do not understand it enough to where it would make sense of me trying to explain it in this movie. It'd be like, what? That makes sense. That'll just make people angry. And that was exactly the tone of this movie, that this movie was based on spiritual warfare to such a degree that it went way over everyone's head. And everyone was just like, this movie is stupid. And anger was the only thing that they could comprehend about this movie. Now, whether or not the movie was actually good or not, who knows? Because there's so much expectation and then the weight of the title of the movie and so much. But anyway, um, so the reason why I brought that up is because the kid being who he was, how he was talking to Corey, the babysitter, how he was acting, the whole prank, you know, that was a whole setup for this kid just to be used to start the trauma in Corey's character. So there was a whole craftsman thing behind that. Um, I think that was a. I think the movie that the, the Corey and the kid were watching was a Easter egg for a John Carpenter movie, I believe. From what I heard, I could be wrong about that, but I don't know. Um, not gonna lie, this movie is going to be a little hard to talk about because I watched this again last night for the third time but it was a uh, um it wasn't in the theater i watched it at home on someone's roku and um as i tried to talk about the movie and kind of go in depth uh it wasn't received it was it was awkward and it kind of left me with a very 
bitter taste in my mouth having a discussion with 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 someone who anyway so it's it's going to be a little rough getting through this movie i'm not going to lie so in the scene Lori strode was writing her book and she was mentioning uh let him inside or let it inside or let evil inside showing that there is a difference between or the transitioning difference between michael and the shape and the possession so that was an interesting little detail that they added into the movie i really enjoyed that um a lot of people did have a problem with the fact that the band kids were the bullies and it wasn't the jocks and it's like in real life it doesn't matter what group you hung out in like you could be a bully in any kind of a group when when i was in school the nerds were the were the bullies the nerds were the biggest bullies especially because in the transitioning of the generations and stuff like that there were always and then when social media started back up there was always debates about what's right and what's wrong and science versus religion and comic books and facts and religion and all this stuff and nerds always felt like they were smarter so they passionately ganged up on people and made other people feel stupid because they felt like they were smarter so it's like the fact that a lot of reviewers a lot of people were upset that band kids were the bullies that's it's like what that's a little nitpick thing to worry about because like the nerds were the bullies in my school like it it doesn't matter what they're wearing that that's just what i don't know but a lot of nitpicking about this movie but yeah it doesn't matter who they are how a person's dressed they can be a bully it's like it's like the whole sheep and wolf clothing or wolf and sheep's clothing kind of thing that's like a perfect representation of it right there you would think the band kids were the innocent ones but no they were the wolves now there is a weird scene a weird thing about michael possessing a body and the thing about the right hand i believe was the right hand of the right fingers being damaged or cut um cory was pushed after drinking some chocolate milk and he landed on the piece of glass and it cut his hand similar to he when he was given a bandage around his hand similar to um michael having a bandage bandage in this in the movie in the in the previous movie on his right hand and him i believe he was missing two fingers and and toward the end of the movie with laurie strode um and Michael was p- trying to put her finger or her hand in the garbage disposal. So it was like that was kind of an odd thing. So there's something going on with with the hands thing. But I'm not entirely sure what it is. But but this thing about symbolisms in movies, there's always a reason for something. So I know that there's a reason for that. And I don't know if it was to have a physical element for the ritual of soul transference. And I believe that that is... That is how it is because there has to be that spiritual, there has to be that emotional, there has to be the mental, and there has to be a physical. And once you were able to create those four distresses, then it's a lot easier to create a soul transference, especially in the case of the shape in this movie. 
uh, the shape, the creature is able to exist in in almost anybody, but it fully manifesting as the creature that was Michael Myers can only happen if someone is able to kind of match with Michael Myers and his distress and what he went through. A bit of a side note about Allison, Louis Strode's granddaughter, working in the office. I I loved her character. I loved her journey. And when she was in the doctor's office, she was enduring a lot of mistreatment and a lot of abuse because she was saying, oh, it's okay. I'll just take it for now. And I'm going to get a promotion. I'm up for that promotion. And Corey was like, is it really worth it? And that actually happened with my boss recently, where some things were unfair, unfairly put in her direction. And she was like, it's okay. I'm up for this promotion and I can't give my opinion. I can't tell these people that I'm upset about this situation because she was up for a promotion or she really wanted to get this promotion and she felt like she needed to do her best to get it. Well, you just have to ask yourself, is enduring all of this abuse really worth it at the end of the day? And also, even if you do get that promotion, you really think things are going to change, you're going to be treated any differently. Just be careful about who you suck up to. Just be careful about how you put yourself in abusive situations and keep enduring abusive situations. Trying to look for you know, an opportunity to get out. Just know that if you can get out, then get out. But don't sit there and take the beating, take the beating and say, it's okay, I need to get on this person's good side, so I'll just take the beating from them for now. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your life. It's going to ruin your psyche. It's going to make you sad, even if you don't think that it is. Because even if you do suck it up now, in the future... You're going to be all like, I remember when I was treated like this. And you're going to say it with anger or you're going to say it with sadness. That obviously meant that it bothered you that entire time. And some part of your psyche went through life unhappy and holding on to this resent these resenting emotions. And you just didn't acknowledge them. So even if you don't think you're being affected by enduring abuse or whatever, just don't just don't tell yourself that lie. Uh, the next scene with Allison, when she was talking with Corey, there was interesting body language, but I'm not going to talk too much about that. Um, but it was very, it was amazing how she was such a understanding woman who understood trauma and understood pain and understood how to communicate with Corey, a guy who was broken and even when he was like, oh, let me check out the muffler. She's like, oh, you don't have to do it now. He's like, I don't have my tools, but I'm just looking at it. And um, when they were talking, she saw that he was shy and he was nervous. And she was like, oh, you have some stuff on your back. She went behind him and tried to talk with him to make him feel more comfortable that he wasn't face-to-face or doing eye contact because she understand how much that kind of made him uncomfortable. So... That little detail was very amazing that, you know, a woman can do that, that a person can go behind, could could do that little detail and say, I can, I understand this person and I'm going to kind of make the environment feel safe for them because I don't want them feeling uncomfortable with me or making them feel uncomfortable around me. 
And I loved the psychology of that scene and her character because when it comes to just interacting with humans, interacting with people, if they're traumatized, there's a craft behind it. And people always want to enforce what they think is right or how people need to be treated on others. And I just really, it was refreshing to see that scene to really show that, hey, a woman can be caring, she can be loving, she can be understanding of the situation. Um, again, it's about the path and the journey that people are going down. Some people may listen to what I'm saying right now and feel offended by it. Some people be like, oh, I understand. And I, my eyes are opened. It, it's all depending on the person. But anyway, that was a little detail about the movie. Uh, I'm bringing that up because the idea of love is very heavy in this movie. So, uh, yeah, just a little side note. Um, sometimes, oh, okay. Um, Allison's home situation with her family is very happy. You know, you can bond with people. They can laugh together. But then you jump to Corey's and his is more dark and miserable. You never know when you are someone's last hope. You never know if you are the only good thing in a person's life. I can only speak for myself, but I know what that's like. And and depending on how you sometimes treat people... Or treat a person really does make a hu- a big difference. It's a huge deal. You you don't know what a person goes through in in life. You know you don't always know. And you can be talking to each other. You can be like, oh hey, how's it going? Oh hey, you know you're doing good. You can text each other. You can be having fun. You may not know that you are that person's lifeline, and you are the only good thing in that person's life. Uh, just. There's no reason to go around hating people or hurting them or just being cruel if you don't you know if you don't have to be. I've I've lost so many people in my life because I showed them kindness. And I've never tried to do anything malicious toward them, but I guess because of miscommunication it was seen as that way and bad things happened, relationships ended. And it's just not fun. So just if you can See the best in a person and in a situation, and you know that that person isn't malicious. Then you then then just just try to acknowledge that, and just try not to hurt the other person. And yeah, I, I, that what I'm saying is pertaining to the dinner table scene when Corey's mom is saying, "Oh, who are you texting? Who are you?" <laughs> uh, the next scene is Laurie Schrode and. Frank in the um, grocery store. So the thing about this movie is it fluctuates psychology. It starts off light and it drifts, goes down into a psyche. Then it goes up into love and happiness and relationships. And it goes down into pain. Then it fluctuates up even higher. Then it goes down even higher. And that's, that's, there's a reason for that. It's, it's on purpose. So, uh, Lori and Frank, um, two people that are distant, but Lori showed her crazy. And, you know, when you like somebody, when you care about somebody, 
or if, if you if it's even just a friendship if someone's kind of you know has a dark sense of humor or they're pretty wacky it's good to laugh about that stuff and not say you know what this this person is weird this person is creepy just learn to laugh about it and move on everyone's always so hostile with each other just stop being so hostile and everyone and i can already well just stop being so hostile with people just learn to laugh about things sometime but laugh together don't tell a person oh you need to lighten up about it like no laugh together about it um frank was trying to talk to lord strode about um cherry blossoms as he started doing that the two of them kind of drifted and laurie strode kind of fell out of the conversation Lori Strode, in her own way, was not faking her happiness, but she 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 moved on from her darkness to the point where she she kind of buried it and was like, I'm going to focus on everything good. So when Frank came to say, hey, cherry blossoms and happiness and we can do stuff together, Lori Strode wasn't really her foundation wasn't cleared. There's a difference between being happy and having a clear foundation of peace. And a lot of people get those confused. And happiness is just about enjoying a moment-to-moment -moment kind of thing. That's base basically, in my context, what I'm trying to say right now. Uh, trying to dissect that whole word. I'm not going to do that. So happiness is just moment-to-moment -moment happy joy. Whereas peace is being able to create a, found a healthy foundation within oneself where they've been able to clear out the darkness or their pain from their foundation and happiness can actually add more positive value to a person's foundation but it all depends on what the foundation first and what it can take in and what it can sustain so when he tried to talk to her about the cherry blossoms this scene was saying hey she's not quite there yet there's still something blocking her you know she's still happy moment to moment but she's not quite ready to have a foundation of a peaceful life just yet and with frank not having his hat in this movie frank's hat represented something his character represented something but he moved on from the whole pain and trauma of the michael myers story in the past so him not having the hat was a representation of him moving on in this movie. Okay, now this ne the next scene, uh Lori leaves the grocery store and this woman is saying, "Hey, you provoked Michael Myers and he snapped and went crazy. You provoked that guy and now my sister's hurt and you know all these people died." One of the repetitive messages also about this movie was the fact that whenever a character tried to open up and fully be happy there was always a voice there a person that represented a voice to say hey i'm gonna cut you off right here and intervene in this situation and when Lori was walking out with a smile on her face and she was happy in the moment and everything this lady shows up and was like hey i'm gonna stop that right here and that was an inner voice of feeling guilty of creating this hysteria and this uh this woman in the super outside of the supermarket was basically a representation of louis Strode's inner voice coming out to say 
hey, you don't quite deserve to be happy because you got all these people hurt. Uh, the same exact thing happened in the scene with Corey when he was in the party area and the woman of the baby, the, the mother of the kid he babysitted was there. And she was like, oh, you don't deserve to be here with your friends or be happy after what you did. And so, yeah, there was a correlation there. And of course, um, when Lori Strode is in her car, um, she's pretty sad and then Frank shows up and he knocks on her window. He's like, hey, cherry blossoms. She puts her glasses on and looks at him. The, 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 the car window is like a representation of Lori saying, I see you, but I can't let you in. And her sitting in that car is kind of like a representation of her internal box and how she is hurting inside so much, you know, with her glasses off, she hurts so much, and then she puts her glasses on and pretends like everything's okay once she's seen by uh, people in the outside world. Uh, again, I'm just trying to give a voice to the the uh, what people may be going through. Um, also, at the party, there's an old man who looked at Corey's costume and was like, "Oh, hey, Scarecrow, you're missing something." And he opens up his coat and it shows the organs. Apparently that old that the actor, the old man who opened up his coat, was the original actor, I believe, for the original Michael Myers from the eighties. I think it came out in the eighties, but the original Halloween movie. Um that was the actual actor. So technically we did get to see his face. It's funny how they snuck that in there. Alright, so now we get to the most important part. After the party Corey and Allison were having a discussion and Corey was saying, why'd you do that? Why'd you, you know, let me go in there? You know, there's a reason why I don't open up and all that stuff. And she was saying, you know, she just wanted him to have a good time and everything. And he was saying that he wasn't her project. And she was like, I know she reached her hands out to him to say, Hey, I care about you. This is love. I'm offering you. This is, me opening my heart to you to letting you into this world of love that i have to offer Corey, through his anger and being upset turned his back on her and by doing that he actually turned his back on the salvation of love he turned his back on what love as a force actually is and it actually it took me a very long time to understand that people don't know what love actually is. A lot of people, when they hear love, they're just like, oh, relationship. And it's like, no. And I never knew that growing up until recently, you know, recently that, oh, snap, there are a lot of people in the world who don't know what the force of love is. And I can't explain it right now because I'm strictly about the movie. But she tried to offer him care and understanding and a way to feel safe a way to laugh a way to feel happy just a way to figure out how to be happy how to enjoy life and being happy in life you know someone a companion someone that you can enjoy being with and she opened up her hands to him to offer him that 
he wasn't able to, to, I guess, see all of that. But the invitation of true love was there. The invitation of goodness was there. She made him feel good. She offered him nothing but good feelings. And there was a misunderstanding of a situation. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. There was a misunderstanding of a situation. And he was like, no, I'm just going to reject you. She didn't offer anything that was bad. So it was a good, safe path to go down, to be able to say, okay, you are a good person. I love these feelings that we have. I can trust you. We can do this. We can figure this out. And as he rejects her, he decides to go down the path of darkness. Once going down that dark path and once their love was rejected, she understands her true feelings that she did like him and she was honest about that. It's important to be honest. But he went down the dark path. As he's going down that dark path, he comes across the bullies. Once again, bullies were just kind of like the minions or whatever, you know, minions, minions of hell or whatever. They're just kind of there to be like, hey, we're here to kind of you know, poke you in, in the direction of the monster. And um, there's a conflict that goes on with them, and then he falls off the bridge. These kids obviously being possessed. And, you know, the the, the, the girl with the curly hair, the long hair, uh, she wasn't innocent. She was associated with these people. There was more she could have done to stop them from hurting him. Just because she sat there and watched, that doesn't mean... She was a good person. She hung around these people. You know, she knew she knew what they were up to. So she's not exempt for, for not being a bad person in the situation also. Um, when Corey gave up on love and he turned his back on everything good, on hope, on, on what he cared about, when he turned his back on all of that and was thrown off the bridge, his body is damaged. His hand is damaged and it's bandaged up. He, his emotions are very broken. Uh, mentally, he's in a dark place and his mother was very psychologically abusive toward him. He basically, by doing that, he became a match. He became a vibration that was strong enough to re-manifest the entity that Michael Myers was, or the shape. And when he fell off the bridge and went into that dark hole, that was a representation of that. The fact that the entity of Michael Myers met eye to eye with him. And once eye to eye was met, the spirit was able to transfer into him. So Michael Myers in this movie so much wasn't... And I know a lot of people aren't going to understand the whole... Understand what I mean by that. But... This movie was more of Michael Myers wasn't physically there. Michael Myers was more of a psychological representation or a psychological entity that was just there to represent something. And I know a lot of people are going to say, but wait a minute. He was with that that lady, you know, at, 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 and, and the old man, and he killed her. But it's just, again, it's more of a symbolism type thing, but... Yeah, Corey falling into that hole that was more of a of a man of symbolism of 
of yeah, him meeting him. The last piece of the ritual of Michael Myers being of possessing him was murder. Corey had to commit murder in order to get blood on his hands. And once he opened up that part of murder, then Michael Myers was fully able to take him on. So that's when the old man shows up. And he's like, oh, I'm Michael Myers. I'm going to kill you. And then Corey killing the old man was actually the last piece of a ritual that was needed for Michael for the shape to fully um, possess Corey as he did with Michael Myers as he was a kid. Um, we all have to choose what we want for our existence in reality in our lifetime. We have to choose if we're going to pursue something better. Or if we are just going to be a victim to our circumstances, if we are going to choose life or if we are going to choose death, death is always going to stay still. It's going to stay where it's at, whereas every form of life is always going forward. And a lot of people think that they can live in stagnation. Really, they're just dying slower, slower. If you really want to experience more of life, the beauty of life, you have to know how to keep moving forward, how to make that choice to want to live. And the idea of that is suicide or cherry blossoms. Are you going to just slowly let yourself die? Are you just going to slowly kill yourself? Or are you actually going to choose to have something better? There is a choice to have something better. Um, a little bit later, um, Corey talks to Allison and he's like, hey, I killed somebody. And he offers his hand to her. That was basically the invitation the opposite invitation, not of love, but invitation down the dark path. And as he offered his hand to her, she accepted to go down this path of darkness with him. Whereas when she offered her two hands, it was about love. She accepts his invitation. And as the invitation is met, I believe in the following scene, they go into the house where the event happened with the kid when he was babysitting uh, at, the, at the beginning of the movie. That was the lowest point of who he was, the point of his creation, the point that was sort of like, again, a representation of the emptiness inside of him. And her being in that house was more so of her having an intimate relationship with him and who he was and seeing the story of how he became this traumatized, messed up person. Um, the piano that's in the house, I'm not going to speak on that because I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the symbolism of the piano. Uh, next, when it came to the cop at the diner, uh, Corey lured the cop into the sewer that was not just an accidental getting uh, blood on one's hands, but it was a personal choice of free will. 
So it was the last step. But there was three sub steps within that last step. And the first step was obviously, you know, the killing part. The second is choosing, having that free will and making the conscious choice to make a to 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 make you know make that kill in order to fully embody Michael Myers or the shape and then the, of course the third one is about combining the two together to create to to actually using uh free will to make the kill which was the um the guy at the doctor's office and uh, and the woman at at the pool the pool scene um there is a symbolism with why Corey took his bandage off when he was watching Michael Myers uh, hang up the girl with the knife. Um, that did go over my head. I could feel, I could sense that there was something there, but my brain can't quite put those wires together. But um, there is something there that I'm still trying to figure out, but there's something there. But honestly, it to me, it feels like Michael Myers doesn't even... Anyway, okay, so now we go into the scene where Laurie Strode goes into the empty house with um, Corey. Uh, to sum this entire scene up as fast as possible, trying to help someone, assistance through desperation only breeds resistance. And that is very important to know because... People will get desperate and they'll say, hey, I want to help this person, but, and then that but is where the desperation comes in at. And it's like, yeah, I don't like that you're doing this, 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 and this, that's self-implementation. And once you self-implement through, you know, that desperation and you're like trying to help somebody, they're not, they're not, they're not going to, they're just going to be like, yo, back up. You know, just like even with when Lori Strode tried to talk with Allison in the bedroom, you know, she um, Lori was saying, hey, don't be with this guy. You can have a good life. And she was just so desperate to try and control the outcome of the situation that it wasn't about connecting. It wasn't it didn't seem so much about, hey, I care about you. It was more of the dominant voice speaking was the voice of desperation of self-desperation now whatever the meaning behind the self-desperation doesn't really matter because it's personified completely by the the person's self-implementation being expressed as desperation and when that happens the person on the other side listening they're not going to connect they're just going to say hey you're lost in your own world right now trying to tell me something that's that revolves in your world and you're kind of trying to f enforce that within me and that that is very noticeable with people that is very noticeable so just keep that in mind uh she tried to go in the house she tried to tell him hey there's hope there's two kinds of evil there's the outside evil that threatens people there's an the internal evil that we don't even know if we're infected by evil but the thing is, when I guess a lot of people are, but when we are infected, we have to go through the journey of understanding it. We have to go through the journey of taming it. We just have to go through the journey of just learning how to deal with it in some kind of way. 
uh, she offered him some type of hope and he said no. So then she left. Like I said, that house was kind of like his heart and the foundation of who he was. And Laurie Strode was the last little bit of hope he had left. And that last little bit, bit of hope that she was, she implemented desperation with it. And that was one of the reasons why he failed, why, why it didn't work out. If she took it with a different approach, it's possible she could have probably saved him from the dark path. Uh, who knows? Because, you know, he was possessed at, you know, but it was he was so far gone. But you ne you never know. But that wasn't the but for the sake of the movie, I'm not going to go do hypotheticals. And I really. Yeah, him him um, being behind the staircase sort of sort of like the bars that he was in a, in a prison of his own. Um, he wasn't quite free with himself and the whole situation going on. Also, um, how he delivered that line, if, um, I can't love her, no one will, that could be seen, that was multi, that was a pretty multidimensional, uh, line because he was saying, if I can't have her, no one will, it was more like, uh, one, one group of people, people could say it as, Oh, he's just that crazy boy that's just obsessing over her and he wants to be possessive over her. And he's not going to let her go to love other people because she's just some controlling man who wants to take control over her. But the other group of people who noticed this, who probably noticed this was no. The darkness that he has and the darkness that she has is something that they can both relate to. And it's a darkness that they can connect to each other with. And because they understand each other's dark worlds and they can make it where they can still love each other and be open with each other. He's saying as messed up as he is and as messed up as she is, if, you know, if. They, if he can't love her, or if they can't be together, I'm sorry, I said the quote wrong, but he was saying if they can't be together, then no one else will be with her. Basically, in a way, as other people will judge her, and other people will will not love her as deep as he loves her, and she's not going to have a connection within herself. Now, when he delivered that line, that can be seen as two different ways. And I know a lot of people are going to, depending on how they look at this character, they're going to get a different idea. But, yeah. Uh, Corey going into the sewer to go find Michael Myers to get his mask back. That was the entity of the shape existing within both bodies. And them going into the sewer was a representation of the shape saying, hey, I'm fully in control now. I'm fully in control of this new body. And I want to get that mask back because your body is used or well, because basically I have a new vessel. So I need that mask back. So him going into the hole to get the mask, that was the entity fighting itself and saying, I have a newfound strength and a new body, a new vessel to, to go around doing my thing with. So that was so he went and got his mask back. Um, yes, yeah, so that's what that scene was about. Um, it really it personal. It did it did bother me when Lori and Allison were having their argument in the bedroom. Uh, the buddies I was watching it with were called her ungrateful and 
other things. But the thing is about her character was not even just with her character, but but darkness affects people and it affects many corners of a person. And when you're walking through that path of darkness and you're aware of how you've been affected by a situation, when you express it, it may come out harsh, it may come out ugly, it may come out dark or violent or just terrible, you know, it may be chaotic. The thing is, that is the truth of what a person feels inside and just saying it out loud versus feeling it. It, it doesn't change the fact that that's the truth. It doesn't change the fact that you, you've been affected in a certain way. And it is not healthy to bury how you truly feel. Now, there is a healthy way to express how you truly feel. But at the same time, it is important to have or provide somebody a space to say, hey, this thing that you are feeling right now, I want to give you a space space to where you can let that out and it not be explosive to where you hurt somebody in a bad way or you do something that's going to tear you and your family apart or you're going to do something that's going to you know hurt do something really bad to somebody you know be that person to recognize the space that another person needs to fully be able to express what it is they are feeling and they can just let that out and be honest about what it is they are feeling they say the truth sets people free what the deeper meaning of what that means is when you let someone truly feel what is really going on inside of them then that is a gateway to a person feeling free within themselves so me having that understanding about how darkness works, how it affects a person, how it destroys a person, how it traumatizes a person, what it takes away from them. And then just hearing the comments that, you know, was told last night about this girl being ungrateful about not. Not just being just being ungrateful to Laurie Strode about everything. And it's just like that's not how it works when it comes to healing. That is not how it works. Because if you want to, if you have a truth inside of you and you need to let it out and you need to feel it, if you're going to constantly hold yourself back and be like, I should probably be grateful for what this person said, I should probably be thankful, I should probably be in this person's favor because they did do a few good things for me. It's like people should be doing good things for each other all the time. And I don't know why people hold kindness over each other's head it's the dumbest thing to me ever i hate that i hate it when people it's stupid when people do kind things and then they hold it over your head just don't fall in that trap okay now i don't want to get away from the movie but because i'm on that subject if anybody does understand or resonate what i'm saying then i want to let that out right now uh, in hopes that it can help Oh, yeah, then we go to the junkyard and we cut off the last bits of Corey. And, yeah, Corey said he wanted to uh, get rid of or kind of disconnect from everybody who knows him. But, yeah, this was basically the last bit of Corey's identity. Um, 
dying off between all the bullies and the guy from the radio station and, uh, you know, his dad, sadly, and all that, and the bullies. All right, um, now we get toward the end of the movie. (sighs) Laurie Strode and the whole suicide scene. I love how they built up that scene, but with that whole buildup of that scene, basically the like I was saying, Michael Myers or you know the shape Michael in this movie was more of a symbolism or representation of something of dark of um evil at the core of people when they're at their lowest point. And things like that. So Lori leaned into the pain of her suicide. And by her leaning into her suicide and allowing herself to go all the way there, she was able to manifest Michael Myers to her. Again, that was a a symbolism, which was her getting into that point of allowing herself to feel suicidal is what physically manifests the entity of the shape. So then that's when the shape showed up or Corey showed up or the shape because he was possessing his body and he was, she was like, Oh, you really thought I was going to kill myself. She reason why she did that whole buildup was to really put herself in the reality of her moment and put herself in the reality of her own pain in order to re-manifest the monster into her life so that way she was able to face it and try and stop it from getting to her granddaughter. Um, And then spiritual warfare plays a huge part in this scene where Corey stabs himself with a knife and he's like oh yeah if i can't have her then no one can and that stab that stab was a huge representation of um of uh spiritual warfare and just how it works how the craft the, just the craft of how how evil works and like I said, just just to not lose people, I'm not going to really try to explain that or go too much into detail because it's going to go into the realm of, hmm, I don't know if I believe in that stuff. And it's just it takes away from me trying to give perspective about the movie. And I don't want to create too much resistance. I'm not going to explain too much about about that, but it's pretty obvious. It's pretty apparent. But um, Allison and. Lori, uh, coming face to face over his body, Lori was like, oh, no, wait, it's not what it looks like. I didn't do it. And Allison was like, no, you. And she leaves. That was a shattering of their bond. And that was a shattering of Lori's heart. When that happened, Lori was at the lowest point of who she was. And... As she slips down the pillar or the wall or whatever, she pulls out of her pocket another gun that she had. Lori's character has a few dimensions, which is love and fight. And when she just lost her love just now, the last thing she had left was fight. 
And that's when she pulled her pistol out. And she realized she had nothing to fight. And then she realized she had nothing. And once she had nothing, Michael Myers, the shape, remanifested again, got his mask and was like, hey, you still got me haunting you. So that's when their fight begins. Because now that Laurie Strode was left with nothing except for the nightmare of Michael Myers still in her mind, he was able to re-manifest her at her lowest point and be like, okay, time to kill you now. And um, by the end of the fight, Allison shows back up, knowing that she's going to commit suicide. She's like, well, I'm angry, but I mean, heck, I can't let you die. So Allison goes back to Lori and saves her. And by saving her, that was... Allison going back to reconnecting with Laurie Strode and saying, hey, I'm not going to leave you like this. I still love you. I still care about you. And we're going to fight this entity together. We're going to fight this shadow, this nightmare that is inside of you. We're going to face it together. And that is what love is. And that love of the two of them coming together is ultimately was able to save Lori and defeat the shape or the, the entity. Um, when Michael Myers, when Michael Myers came and got his mask and was reaching for his knife, Corey came back to life. And this was important because Michael Myers himself, his soul was only able to move on. If he was able to kill the personification of himself and I know that gets a little confusing because of, of the possession and you know, everything. But Michael Myers killing Corey was actually a representation of him actually killing the dark part of himself. And Michael Myers basically, yeah, he basically killed that dark part of himself and freed his own soul in that moment. That was important. And I remember thinking to myself in the theater, like, wait a minute. Corey, when he stabbed himself, Corey can't die that way because of the correlation between him and Michael Myers. Michael technically has to kill him. And then when he came back, I was like, okay, so they actually know about, you know, that that stuff. So. Yeah, Michael Myers killing when Corey came back, Michael Myers killing him. That was a form of Michael Myers' soul actually killing that dark part of himself and him having some peace on the other side. And then the shape and Lori fight in the room. In the, in the, you know, so then um, Lori and Allison fight the shape. So, again, it's confusing, but if you get the energy, then you get it. So then they destroyed his body. At the end, and everyone's, she says, um, that evil can't really be destroyed or can't be killed. It just changes its shape. And then, of course, we go into the porch and Frank shows up and Frank offers her flowers and vegetables representing life and a blooming of new life and new possibility. And he's like, cherry blossoms. And then she says, Hey, tell me about them cherry blossoms. And she sits down and 
It's about um, making that choice. Uh, Michael Myers made eye contact with her during the fight, and she was saved. And the thing is, Lori chose the cherry blossoms. She chose life. She chose to give herself another chance. And Frank already moved on from all that pain. He was right there waiting for her. So once she was ready to finally move on and let someone onto her porch and begin the baby steps of, of finding real a foundation of peace, then, yeah, he was right there. And he offered her something that was just out of reach, but always in front of her. I was hoping that this would have taken 15 minutes, and I see it's been an hour. So this is going on the podcast that I hardly ever upload. <laughs> but this, so this is my review for um, Halloween Kills. Or no, no, why do I keep saying that? Halloween Ends. Like I said, I enjoyed the movie a lot because everything that I just explained is what I was feeling throughout the movie. I was feeling the transformations. I was feeling the ideology, the the uh, the uh, the the symbolism. Sorry, I was just feeling so much in this movie and the transformations and the psych the psychology behind it. And I'm just like, I can find dozens of slaughter movie so it was nice just to like watch a movie that that actually shows the psychological perspective of of a horror idea so yeah i enjoyed this movie a lot i'll give it a six uh 6.5 out of 10 maybe you know um i really enjoyed it for what it was um Yeah, so that's my review for uh, Halloween Ends. Um, I don't think I don't think there's anything else I can say. It was a great movie. It was amazing, and you know how it was told, how it was being told. Um, I really do appreciate. I really do appreciate how the creation of movies is a lot like the representation of the theme of the movies. It's not just, hey, this is what the movie's about. And as the story evolves, it evolves around these messages or ideas. The actual creation of the movie itself was to embody what the movie was actually about. And I really did enjoy that. It's what I enjoyed <clears throat> about this movie, Halloween Ends. It's what I enjoyed about The Last of Us 2. It's what I enjoyed about Black Adam is that it takes you through... And it, it takes you through the uh, the production of the movie, takes you through the journey of what the movie is actually about. And it creates a potency of 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 the, the energy that 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 that's that the movie is actually trying to, you know, give off. So anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed this long review. If anyone actually sat down and listened to this whole thing, that would be crazy but yeah i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you enjoyed uh the movie and if you listen to this i hope you can watch the movie again and actually enjoy it you know as long as you enjoy something that's all that matters all right so um do the best with what you got and thank you for your supports and have a great day